Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Upon Further Review, where we watch the quote-unquote best movies ever made, and we discuss if they still hold up. We'll be the judge of that. Exactly. First, let's go around, and who's on the show? It is Amy Cordova. Hello, this is Scott Crawley. Gary Allen. And I am Noah Kinsey. So, welcome guys. Thanks for coming on out to talk about Annie Hall. But first, have we seen any movies lately? Amy? I have seen a movie. Um, did you guys see The Revenant? Did you like it? Yes. I loved it. I enjoyed How it. I wish The Bear would have won, but I think... Same. <laughs> Sad. I saw good. a stupid meme that it had a picture of... <laughs> oh, the Leonardo flashing DiCaprio. thing? No, 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 no. It was a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio holding a teddy bear, and then the next picture was Leonardo DiCaprio getting mauled by the bear, <laughs> and it was just like, the ones we love hurt us the most, is oh. what it said. Oh, I, I saw a hilarious video where someone drew... It was like one of those flip books where it's animated oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has him winning the Oscar. And as he's going up right before he grabs the Oscar, a bear mauls him. That's yeah. too good. Man. Super funny. And then I also <laughs> saw a meme where he's holding the Oscar, saying his speech. And in the corner is Steve Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. amazing. Mm. I saw Spotlight. What'd you think? Feel good movie of the year. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it's a really good movie. But I mean, of course, it's just disturbing. It's heavy, to, right? Talk yeah, about really surprise heavy. sex. Yeah, no. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> See, I didn't care for it. I thought I, th- I mean, like the the actual the story is super important and made a huge difference in the entire world. Yeah. But I felt like on the filmmaking side, it was kind of like an episode of Law and Order SVU without right. the bunk bunks. Yeah, what bunk I didn't bunk. notice was it, every time it transitioned from one scene to another, they had like this cheesy little like piano score and it felt like i was watching like a lifetime movie yeah i I felt like i just felt it was lazy filmmaking and i felt it was one of those things where it's the subject matter is so important that we don't really have to put a lot of effort yeah that's Um, why it was nominated of course right it's one best picture right Mm -hmm. yeah no i I don't know if i think it would deserve i don't either i thought what do you think should have won I mean, my personal bias, I was hoping Revenant, but they were saying it was between that and The Big Short, and I think The Big Short should have. Between the two of those, I think The Big Short should have. I'm watching won. that tonight. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I haven't seen movie. it yet, but I heard it was really good. Is it on it's Netflix right. yet? No. no. Okay. No, I'll find it. Got a buddy with the screen. I thought it was better than yeah. Spotlight. Yeah. 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 I, I still think Revenant should have won. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm glad that, all, that yeah. everybody who was, I figured, would win for yeah. it won. I was surprised at how many. Oscars, Mad Max got, but I, uh, you know, but it, for those categories, I'm not awesome. surprised. Yeah, because it was a very spectacle. Yeah, sound mm-hmm. design. I think uh, it deserved editing. sound editing, Dude, costuming, costuming, like, yeah. the, like all of that. It deserved it because right. they created a whole world. I mean, Tom Hardy. I wish I would have seen that movie in the Killed theater. Oh, you didn't? I didn't see it in the theater. Oh, yeah. Because on DVD, it still looked really impressive, oh, really? but there's really not much of a story. No. But that's not really what it's about. It's more of a theme movie than mm-hmm. like a plot movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it had a, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the actual story was kind of convoluted in a sense of it's been done before, but I like how they flipped it on its head where I think females saved him oh, totally. more, way more than he <laughs> saved Mad Max was so else. irrelevant yeah. in this whole thing. Well, that's yeah. the thing, though. Mad Max, is, like the movies is titled Mad Max, but Mad Max is the conduit for every storyline mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he's the one concept and then it's about everything else around that you know right and that's ultimately what this movie was about i didn't even ever feel that it was mad max's story no nope. i felt that mad max was the thing that that moved the plot forward he's like sure. the MacGuffin for the real exactly the exactly yeah. that's what i felt when i saw it and, and i liked it that way though and i yeah. love the the dude who plays beast 
in the most recent um, X Men mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. His story arc caught me off. Dude, by that surprise. was so good. He was that was so amazing. Yeah. I didn't think I was gonna get one teardrop, but it happened as soon as he had that moment at the towards the end of the movie. I was just like, yes, yeah. Like I, the really? whole time it built it, built it, mm-hmm. built it to that one moment. I was like, fuck yeah! That but kind of caught you off guard too. Totally, the movie's totally Charlize Theron's, and then it's like, oh shit! But he's the one that really has the character arc in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, he, he has really expected. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great, and I know there's a lot of a lot of negative criticism about, and I heard a lot of this obviously because I saw it on DVD, but about it being such a feminist film, and it is, but. So like What's that's good. That? I mean, that's yeah. I thought it was freaking awesome. And yeah. hell yeah, it should be. I mean, because women can kick ass, and you know they kind of do it next to other dudes and like Mission Impossible and other stuff where it's like they can do it too. But in this movie, it's more like they can do it. Yeah, yeah. there's not a two here. Like it's yeah. them. Mm-hmm. These women are kicking ass. My favorite thing out of that entire movie is the guy on the stilts or on the rubber yeah. band scoring the entire movie. With the rock and roll music, with the flame throwing, that was so funny. Guitars, dude, it was awesome. I didn't see it, so you didn't see the movie. No, I mean, no, I. I'd say you should see it. You should check it out. It's one of those movies where, for me, if you see it, yeah, it's a spectacle. And for filmmaking, it was amazing because most of that was practical effects. Yeah, and there's. The, the most impressive thing was when they're on the little stilt things that go from one yeah, car to another. sticks or whatever. I just, yeah, Dude. I would just love to have been in that production meeting. Like, wow. how do we do this practically where I those guys, guys don't die? <laughs> yeah, right. I got an Gosh. idea. Let's get PVC pipes. <laughs> right. We're going to tie some twine around your legs. <laughs> totally safe. Totally. Yeah. And the stunt guy at the back is just like, wood. I'll fucking do it. Yeah. When are, <laughs> I'll do it, mate. <laughs> my, my, my family will be taken mm-hmm. care of, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I um, but it's worth seeing once, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a good like. Event. I think you like it's it. It's good spectacle. Okay, I like a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Speaking about um, shows with women or you know about women, I've been binge watching Fuller House. Oh wow. Don't yeah. judge me, guys. No, I have too. I'm. Dude, I, I, thank uh, you. It is yeah. like the most nostalgic show. Really, crickets right now. Really. It's yeah. bad. Like it's, it's really it's bad. But it, it's so rooted in like all of your 90s nostalgia that you could possibly imagine. So then again, at the same time, it's funny. It's fun. There are times where I will laugh out loud. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's an enigma, because it's though, ridiculous. Because I will be watching an episode and I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, wow, that was a really good scene or like, you know, yep. there was good emotion to it. And then they totally go and like, Ruin that moment. Ruin it with yeah. like stupid little Bollywood dances and or uh, how rude. Yeah, <laughs> with all the catchphrases or whatever. To be honest with you, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. It's horrible. But I think that's the charm within the show. Sure. So I'm like seven episodes in right now. Yeah. In Speaking of catchphrases, I don't mind like how rude and and uh, oh my lanta have mercy. But the Cut new one that they're trying to bring in this oh little, the little kid. Yeah, he I says holy that. chalupas. That's no matter how many times they try to say that, it's not going to be funny. And who holy wants a holy chalupas? chalupa? You got to keep the chalupa stuff inside. Yeah. You get it, it blessed by the Pope. Well, dunk it in, you know, like it comes <laughs> with a little water. S- a side, a side of uh, holy water that you dunk the chalupa in. Holy salsa. Wrapped in a wafer, like mm-hmm. a yeah, and then like, doused yeah. with uh, red wine. I heard after the pilot, it's more of its own. Show, yeah. Show, yeah. totally. But man, that But they get sprinkled in, though. Rough. Well, they all get sprinkled in. Well, there's just so many callbacks in the first But that episode. was the whole so thing. And there's so many scenes that were just from the old ones. Yeah. yeah. I, I, pu- I put out a tweet. I said that uh, 
the pilot of Fuller House was so overstuffed with fan service, I had to look up online to see if J.J. Abrams directed it. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Uh, Damn. Damn. And like, I was a little surprised on a family show that you can see everything but Jodie Sweetin's nipples yeah. in that one dress. I'm like, this is a family <laughs> show. Yeah, like you I saw could, this everything. Side you really? saw everything except yeah. for And it was just like a, like a family party sword. they were having. Yeah. yeah. She's like taking care of a baby. Yeah. Saying, oh, nope, this is like the baby, I guess, was she trying to grab for him. And, well, she was holding the baby. That's a fat kitty, by the way. Like, that is, that is a, that is a, fat that's a butterball kid, baby. Literally. Yeah. Is it cute? I don't know. He's kind of got like a hockey player haircut, like a little baby mullet going on. Uh, it's like a cabbage patch kid. It? Yeah. It's ultimately what it looks like. Like you took um, that out of a package. One they, they've already renewed it for a second season. Yeah. Of course they were going yeah. to. Wonderful. There's been only one or two Netflix shows that they haven't renewed for a second season. No. You know what I That's am it. impressed with? Because um, Netflix is obviously known for their you know creative endeavors. Um, Hulu with the new, what is it, 11 63 Dude, I was hearing about seen this. That? No, I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, James Franco. He gets sent back in time to prevent uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Interesting. It's really good. Yeah, I'm I'm check that out. Yeah. Hulu's really stepping up. They've Chris Cooper's changed. in it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Check it out. All, All right. right. The movie I watched was Minions. Oh, really? <laughs> and I kind of wish that I saw it in the theater in 3D because it definitely was made for that. It was gimmicky that way. Well, that, that was the whole thing. I feel like I would have at least enjoyed the ride if it was in the theater. But as it is, I just I didn't care for it at all. It was like I love the two Despicable Me movies. I, I, I really do. And I like their little side stuff. But I was thinking about it. And it's kind of like the same way I feel about Russell Brand. I like Minions and Small Doses, but a whole movie about them. Nah, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm agreed. out. It's like with Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I loved his character in that, mm -hmm. but I never thought, you know, I'd love a movie based on that guy. Did you pay to see the Minions? No, I just okay. got the Netflix got disc. Got it, got it. Okay. I'm one of the few I people that still better. get Netflix discs. Really? Yeah. You still get them? I yeah. don't even pay for those anymore. No. No. Said no dice, me amigo. It's just there's a lot of, like, movies that don't show up on streaming. Yeah. I see that. So... All right, great. But anyway, so yeah, that was just my feeling. I didn't care for it. Well, I mean, it like Minions, so the, the reason gimmicky. why Minions works so well in the other movies, in my opinion, is because they're like the comic relief. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? But so then that's the whole thing. Like it's comic just relief, a comic relief, comic relief throughout the entire, entire film. Did any of you see the Minions movie? No. Anybody? I was not a real big fan of the there, Minions to begin with, so I There is it. a moment that I was a little surprised about um, because it's animated, and there's a super gay stereotype character in it. <laughs> Suit, like a hairstylist where he has a shirt tied up mm -hmm. by that super nice. flamey sounding and everything and super stereotypically gay and i'm like man from con, con from conception all the way down everyone's like that's fine for a kid's movie yeah, that's, cool not, that. that's not offensive at all in 2015 yeah but you know there's somebody in that room just being like yeah but my kid dresses like that so mm. let's keep it fair enough fair enough mm. all right well before we get into the movie we have a new a new segment where I am going to pit you guys against each other. Uh -oh. Only one of you is leaving here alive. No, um, fight to the death. And this is something that, for when we do our live shows, uh, will be something that we'll get the audience in, where they're going to be able to win prizes. Oh, but sure. meanwhile, you guys aren't going to win shit. So <laughs> this is. I don't want to play. It's a trivia game. <laughs> I'm leaving. It's called What the Flick. Nice. Okay. okay. So, all right. So, what we're going to do is start with Amy. Okay. 
Okay. Ladies first. All Ladies right. first. Go. And we, I have a tiebreaker in case there's a tie. All but right. it's just three questions. You Uh-oh. didn't prep me for this, Noah. I know. I feel a I little I didn't prep shift. any of you. you Makes me happy. <sighs> All right, game time. Okay. Game face. Let's go. Right. Let's go. Bring it. Okay, so Deadpool is now worldwide yeah. the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Yeah. Amen. What did it beat? What used to be the highest R-rated <laughs> film worldwide? I don't know. Last Give action hero. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Titanic? I don't know. So you pass. I don't know. I pass. I okay. Pass. Scott? I'm going to guess RoboCop. That is false. Dagnabbit. Gary? Uh, <laughs> Today, Junior. Is it in the same genre? Do we know. get a hint? Total Recall? It's R-rated. <laughs> it's R-rated. Yeah. Total Recall? Nope. It was The Passion of the Christ. Oh, my God. Yep, that, that was, was the highest grossing brutal. worldwide. I guess. I and could, and yeah. it's still the highest grossing domestic. Really? And the Deadpool's passion. number three. Number okay. two is American Sniper for domestic. Interesting. I did not know that. All right, that is so wild. Question number two, Scott. <laughs> okay. All we right. all fail this one. So, uh, uh, Gerard Butler currently has two films out right now. He has The Gods of Egypt and London Has Fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he since 1999 he has released uh, about two movies a year, um, except for one year he didn't release any. Which year was that? When did when did this start? What was the starting 1999? He's had at least two movies a year. In 2014, he had one. But okay. what year did he not have any movie? I'm gonna say 04. 04. I'm gonna say 09. 09. 02. 02. Well, you were yeah. closest. It was 2015. <sighs> so oh, wow. Gary gets a point. Oh. <laughs> you know what? All right. You rat it's bastard. okay if he <laughs> says no to a script. <laughs> right, yeah. that'd probably be for the best. Well, he did with uh, the new Point Break. He was supposed to play Bodie, and I, I think, okay. or did no. you see that? I did not. I, I refuse. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. The story is not even the same. They're it's just like using the, the name. original was so amazing. Uh, Why would you remake yeah. it? The whole movie just looks like but it's, it's not sponsored. even remade. It's a completely different. It's just Reboot. adrenaline sports. Yeah, I hear no, they only really surf for like the first couple minutes of the movie, and bullshit. Then after that. I feel like the whole movie is just sponsored by Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, you know? pretty much. Yeah. yeah. All right, Gary. Oh, good. So, <laughs> this weekend, Zootopia came out, and it, two of the voice actors in it are Jason Bateman and J.K. Simmons. What other movie were they in together? Oh, I know this. Oh, man. I think I can see it in my head. Somebody telepathically send it to me. Oh, man. I got okay, nothing. you realize you're next, right? <laughs> oh, damn it. I don't know the name of it. I got nothing. Got nothing. It's the one where the chick has the baby. And she's... It's the one... It's one name. It's like one name. You know the girl, she has She has a baby and she's going to give it up for adoption. And Jennifer Garner's Oh, I got what it. Juno. 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 Oh, Juno. yeah. Good. I didn't With our powers combined, guys. Right? Yeah. We got the movie right. <laughs> Beat Noah. This is correct. They were also in Extract together. Oh. He was... J.K. Simmons was in Extract? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So that was the game. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So Gary got two points. So well, I kind of... Yeah. Which, which with, with what questions? <laughs> I got like a... I think I got like a half a point for being close. He got... He was the closest But she got to... But I he got said Juno. Oh, okay. And you so didn't even get a like vote. A, it said, was like fuck you, alley-oop. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> we can just do the tiebreaker for fun. Also, 
in the movie this weekend in London Has Fallen is Morgan Freeman. How old is he? And a point goes to the one who gets the closest. 78. <laughs> 72. 76. He's 78. God damn, I'm good at this game. My good friend, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> so, right. what do I, so I don't win anything? This is so anticlimactic. Nope. It is. It is. Noah will give you something later. Sweet. We, can do, we can do like... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is correct. Uh, <laughs> Our podcast about movies and all of us are like, I don't fucking know. Uh, right. I don't fucking this know. Is, this is more... I mean, we're going to do that type of stuff with the audience where they're going to b- win stuff in a crap bag. That's pretty I cool. I dig it. Yeah, it's fun. It's good, yeah, good it's fun. trivia. Good job, I like Gary. It. I have yeah. so much swag at home. There we go. So I for can the just live bring in stuff. Buckets full. Okay. okay. Yes, please do. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. She has beach buckets full. Hope you like Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Alvin. <laughs> it's kidding. free stuff, so the it's audience can't yeah. complain about nothing. They can always re-gift it. <laughs> they keep so giving gifts from two thousand four movies. I don't understand Alvin this. Yeah. <laughs> An autograph thing from Jason Lee. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Saying Alvin. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Woody Allen's Annie Hall from Ooh. 1977, the yeah. multi-Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. We're going to go around, starting with Amy, saying, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give it? And if you had to rename it, what would you rename it? Oh, God. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, I actually really like it. I'm a fan of Woody Allen. I really enjoy his movies. I think they're interesting. I don't see... I've been in New York before. I've never seen it, like exactly the way that he captures it on film and i i would say maybe a seven or eight because i thought it was interesting i thought the dialogue was fun interesting and weird and neurotic and like you know he just says things in the stream of consciousness that maybe i wouldn't even say and that's something as you know i'm a little mouthy but um if i had to rename it i don't know i i have no idea what i would rename it Come back to me on that one. Okay. I might think of something. Scott? Well, I, uh, I I hadn't seen it in quite some time. I think the last time I saw it was like in two, 2015, or not, no, 15 years ago, so not 2015. And um, I think I may have gotten it mix, mistaken for Manhattan. So oh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Easily <didn't>, doable. <laughs> I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. Mm. Um You know, <laughs> we'll talk about this here momentarily. Yeah, we go we'll, get, we'll dig yeah. into it. Yeah. Scale I would one to say... Ten. Probably a set, six or a seven. I'd say okay. maybe closer to seven just because it was groundbreaking for the time. But sure. six or a seven. And then mm-hmm. if I had to rename it, though, like pretentious New Yorker, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Gary? Um, I think I would give it like a solid seven okay. for me. I mean, the thing is, I don't think I'm as smart as I'd like to be to take in all of this movie in one sitting. Yeah. Um, it's pretty witty. Um, I love what it's they've done. It's pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, it's really quick-witted. Um, you really got to pay attention. Like, I think it's one of the very first movies that I watch that I feel like I have to be present, like, really focused. I can't be, like, on a phone because you'll miss something oh, really, yeah. really quick. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, for me, I love those things. I love all the, the, the fun he has in this movie. You know, all the different gimmicks that he's kind of throwing up, you know, things like that. Um, so, for me, a solid seven, I feel. Uh, if I had to rename it, uh, what's the matter with Jew? <laughs> I like it. I like it. That was yeah, good. Why not? You know, why not? All right. Uh, for me, on a scale of one to ten, I would actually put it at a five. Um, just because I, I love Woody Allen films. Um, this one, I mean, I'm scoring even high. I think by itself I would score it a lot 
lower than that for me standalone. But because this is like Woody Allen's first really cutting his teeth and this is kind of like the beta version of what he's going to go on to do as a filmmaker, I can see. And it's like the birth of a genre of like a later in life where did I go wrong type of thing, which is <laughs> high fidelity, right. you know, yeah. which is a lot of those types those of existential my life should be figured out by now. And there's, I mean, I, it's like, like you said, Scott, it's very revolutionary. I mean, people didn't really have that. Um, and we can get into why I would rate it, why standalone, not really my, my cup of tea. Um, but, but yeah, I would rename it being Woody, Woody Allen. Okay. <laughs> just yeah. called it Woody. Yeah, or you Woody. Know. I mean, or, Woody would have just been worked out just fine. All that dude or, does is just try yeah. to get fucked the whole time. Pretty much. Every single time. <laughs> he's just getting shut down. Yeah. yeah. So now we can dig into it. Um, so who wants to Who wants to get going? Who has stuff to say? Well, I'll go. <sighs> sure. Okay. Do it. So like I said, uh, I think the when I had seen it previously, it was like 2001 when I was in... Uh, college back in indiana i I just dated myself um (laughs) and at the time i think i was a little bit more kind of focused on like john woo movies and stuff like that i really didn't have the appreciation this movie definitely was lacking in the white doves yeah right yes at the time i would have scored it pretty low but it didn't (laughs) lack in like the white tank tops true yeah so but now that i look back at it though i mean i don't i didn't remember much so i was actually impressed with the ability to be creative with like breaking the fourth wall and kind of like these little split screens and having two scenes going on at the same time and looking into the camera, not necessarily like the office or say like parks and rec and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I think I can't really remember any movies that have done that before previous, you know, 1977. Um, and I thought that was creative. It was a little heavy handed with like, of course, you know, um, little overly expositional dialogue, but that's Woody Allen. Um, I thought that was creative. That was about the only endearing thing about it. And then also just like how relationships can be tumultuous or what's the word I'm looking for? Tumultuous? Yeah. uh, yeah. Toxic? Sorry, I forgot to take my meds today. So, um, you know, I, it, it tackled kind of like a, what it would be to live in, you know, that era (laughs) and, um, just dealing with relationships, which it doesn't really, most movies don't explore that side of breaking up, getting back together, breaking up. So, I feel that's like every rom com, though. It's like guy meets girl, guy gets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl back. This dude's just a straight asshole the entire fucking movie. Yeah, that's something that. That's I, all he is is a straight asshole. Yeah. You yeah, know what I'm is. saying? And the, the interesting thing for me, I think the endearing, charming part about Woody Allen is he knows he's an asshole. He just doesn't want to be that guy and he tries not to be that guy, but he, gets, he just does it naturally over the entire yeah. fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is pushing everybody away, pushing everybody away. I mean, I guess he went through, what, four relationships? relationships throughout the an yeah. hour and a half you know what i mean yeah. so i mean and i do find that strange though because i'm a firm believer of if you don't have good looks you absolutely have to have an amazing personality like being funny yeah and he doesn't have good looks and he's kind of a, a he's annoying you know yeah. yeah he's kind of a dick so it's like i have a hard time buying yeah the attraction I, I, there yeah i kind of felt this <clears throat> and once again i mean going later on he's kind of perfected his craft and kind of played with it and everything but with this I felt the movie was really reliant on you going in to see this movie liking Woody Allen because mm-hmm. as a script, he does makes no attempt to be likable whatsoever in this, At all. but yet he's still trying to be sympathetic. And I felt like there was kind of this, this clash. And I mean, even, even Woody Allen's not a fan of this movie because he sees 
all of now he sees all the things that he wish he would have done differently in this. And I can totally see that because I can totally see this trying to be Woody Allen in this, but yet I think he's, you know, he talks, he breaks the fourth wall, kind of like in uh, House of Cards. That guy's a complete scumbag, yeah. but by breaking the wall, he's confiding in you. Right. Um. So I think that helps a little bit with the likability, but, but man, I'm like, if you didn't like Woody Allen, you would not like this movie whatsoever. Well, yeah. to be honest with you, I didn't like Woody Allen prior to any of the, to watching this, and I actually watched this, and I enjoyed it. I don't know if I like Woody Allen any better, but I appreciate what he was trying to accomplish, and I think he accomplished it, you know, um, what, but I don't. What would you say is the thesis of this movie? I mean, it's ultimately that it's, for me anyway, it feels like a guy that's just so rooted in his own way that, I mean, no matter what, if he ca- he stays on this path, it's going to consistently be perpetual. And you see it relationship after relationship after relationship. The very end, the dude d- ends alone. You get, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I like feels, that, though. Yeah, I need two, which is which is more realistic. Me. Yeah, because nowadays, like with the rom coms you brought up, like they they'd have to end up together. But right. in this, I th- I like that the ending because he could appreciate that they had a good relationship. They still do and as fun. friends now. Right. And he he looks back and says she's actually like a really good person, and I'm lucky to have known her, and I still yeah, do, had her so. in my life or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think you know the the moment that happens afterwards is that he's. He's just gonna get in another relationship that is the exact same thing because he is too pigheaded to change. Yeah. At least in my opinion. I don't feel like he changes at all throughout no. this entire movie. No. You know? That's a good point. But that's yeah, not even, everybody does though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but very, you know who does change? Real. This is the interesting thing for me. When you look at this story, it feels like Woody Allen's character is a constant, right? He's the he's his own antagonist, mm-hmm. right? And then you bring in Annie's character where I feel like I feel more connected with her character because she's trying. She's she's the one that changes by the very end of this entire film, right? Yeah. But like the arc is is right with her because I don't feel that like Woody Allen changes at all all mm-hmm. throughout this movie she's the one that changes the most but what does yeah. she change because she she starts to understand what she really wants she becomes more she, stable she for becomes sure. more stable with just within herself she becomes more stable in what she wants you know but it, she learns that through alvi's character you know because i think what's really cool about alvi's character is that and this is something that i find that woody allen does in not i don't know if he does it intentionally just is just who he is like he is unabashedly him Mm-hmm. Yeah, in yeah. anything that he does, he doesn't give two shits if he's pissing somebody off or he's making somebody fall in love with him. It doesn't fucking matter. He's just him, mm-hmm. and everything else around him is just kind of noise. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, and that's what it felt like to me. So, as he, we go through this journey, for me, it really feels like Annie is having the the most arc. Maybe it's more subtle, but I promise you, she's probably having the most. Yeah, because for me, I. I I I felt like her character was super strong in the first and second act, but then the third act, because it is, I really do feel like, and I mean, obviously it's named Annie Hall, but it's definitely, you kind of have that arc, but I felt like the ball was dropped a little bit in the third act because you don't really know necessarily where she ends up, Mm -hmm. except just kind of friends with him because she moves to California where she lives with Paul Simon and then, but then at the end, she's moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. Not really sure what specifically happened or why she's back in New York or what she's doing in New York because it's just in the voiceover of Woody Allen. Right. So I kind of feel like I would have liked that end to have been closed a little bit by saying maybe what she's up to. Mm-hmm. Because you do, I agree, you do have in the first and second act her her arc. 
And just and but the start of the movie is his monologue, kind of where he's doing a little jokey joke monologue thing, and at the end is more of his bittersweet thing. And I feel like it kind of the the narrative of the film. I don't know. I I feel like it's weird. The the bookends feel slightly removed from the middle part of the of the film for me. I don't know, man. I I mean, he makes a joke in his opening statement about like being like uh, attributing his life to a Groucho Marx mm. kind of bit where ultimately he's saying like, if, if I was asked to join a club that was filled with a bunch of dudes like me, I would never join. I would, want I would never want that to join. Want me. Exactly. Like yeah. I would never want to join. So by the end of this thing, he, it makes sense because he's realizing that the type of person that he is takes a very unique person to deal with him. So he's still at the very end. It's it's the same. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. And he ends on a joke <laughs> at right. the very end yeah. that directly contrasts with the opening jokes. He yeah. has those epilogues in all of his movies. Yeah. You know? Which I will give him credit for. Like, you either love him or hate him. I'm not a huge fan, but he definitely has the, the gift of gab, like, in a sense of doing delivering these monologues and it right. comes across like he's literally just rambling off the top of his head uh-huh. it's not scripted mm-hmm. he has that social commentary that i feel like he he, he can really nail. it's a strong voice yeah mm-hmm. and the thing that i love the most about that strong voice is you get to see each scene it feels so quick because he's taking these long shots but they're always moving it's not like nowadays you watch a fucking romantic comedy and it's a bunch of people sitting at a coffee table or they're standing in a corner at a bar or whatever like they are walking and talking they are in action they are moving so the scenes are riddled with dialogue but at the same time we're moving and you get to see the pace of new york city you get to see the the life and the bust of what's happening within that like subculture and i love that because mm-hmm. when you're watching that and you're hearing the dialogue is this kind of coming through I get a whole different experience than like what you have nowadays was just a bunch of talking pussies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just gets annoying to me. I, I it's a good name for I a band, agree. by the way. <laughs> talking pussies. It's an indie <laughs> punk band, right? <laughs> I do their album art. <laughs> um, no, I totally agree with you, especially that one iconic scene where they're out there talking on his balcony, have mm-hmm. little geraniums, they're drinking wine, and juxtaposition, juxtaposition is the back of them has all this New York skyline and it's all these different like really old buildings from old to new to and I'm thinking to myself how many people ever experience New York City like that I don't know he has an interesting eye he's able to tell that story yeah Mm -hmm. because he's having such an intimate moment right you know the city is moving exactly loud and it's alive that's his that's his movies I did appreciate a lot of like the visual directing like um because he's more, I feel like he's more of a, when he directs stuff, it's kind of more performance based. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of unique, like, cinematography that they kind of played around with. Very like, much so. the city I, was very much a part of this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, In they had that split m- screen. There was a shot where, like, they had a split screen where and they they're both psychoanalysis. Yeah, and they're analyzed. both talking over each other, but you can still kind of hear what right. each person's saying. They yeah. shot that in one take, by the way. They shot that in one room. Yeah. They just did a divider was a fake between wall. that. It was right. a fake wall, which I thought I was really that. cool. Uh-huh. Well, he's also, a you know, he directed theater and things like that, so this has moments of a lot of, like, theater. Like, even look at some of the lighting right. that was happening in certain scenes. A lot of the... Um, the intimate scenes where they're in the bedroom, mm-hmm. it feels like it's on a set, like it's on a on a stage or on a on a you know yeah. in theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the way they the light, the, the way they block completely it blacked out. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed the part with the kids saying what they grew up to be. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to be a heroin addict, and now I'm a methadone <laughs> addict. I'm into leather. 
Yeah. (laughs) That was was so great. And when they cut away to the cartoon, when it showed the cartoon version of Woody Allen. That was really cool. I didn't remember that. Kind of reminded me of the show Dream On a little bit. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where a lot of just imagination in his head. And when he's in in line for Uh for the movie... And the guy behind him is knowing the crap out of him, and he breaks the fourth wall, and then that guy comes, and yeah. then the author comes in right. saying that the the professor, or whatever, just doesn't know his work at all. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. so glad that they cut it when they did because it it was getting I'm, long. Well, well, <laughs> I was more thinking if he goes back to line, that scene doesn't necessarily work because mm-hmm. it's one thing for him to break the fourth wall, but if somebody else breaks the fourth wall, you can't continue the scene back to where it was right it kind of gets a little messy where it's like did they really have that debate or not so i'm really glad they cut it when they did because i was getting a little worried like uh oh yeah yeah he he initiates the rules of the game you know right away and he doesn't deviate from Mm -hmm. that so it becomes believable because i think at a moment like that if something like that happened i'd be like "Eh." well because the way that that it was that was still in his head yeah at that point though when they do stuff like that it kind of felt a little bit like a family guy episode where each scene is just kind of like Oh, let's just throw this scene in here mm-hmm. so I can give some social commentary. And or the cut scenes. It really didn't have anything to do with the storytelling in that <laughs> sense. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I am a huge fan of structure. You know, like I'm a huge fan of like active protagonists and you know, um, rising that, action. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate when people do break the rules. And the thing is with him, like he's not a likable protagonist by any means. No. But if you really think about it, like. Everybody at this table right now, can you think of at least one person that you know that you're friends with that you sometimes question, why am I even friends with this person? I'm him. (laughs) (laughs) You all are looking at me. (laughs) That's mean. And so it's proof that, like, you know, I mean, not everybody has to be this, like, active protagonist that's overcoming the obstacles. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with going through a story. The Mm -hmm. interesting thing for me is, I mean, being filmmakers, right, you're always looking for structure. And I was always kind of curious when I was watching this movie, I was like, where are these act breaks? Like, yeah, where I, is the inciting? Yes, yeah. Where is my midpoint? Where is the climactic moment? I feel like he said, here's structure. I'm going to piss on it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I didn't really follow much of a structure. But you know what, though? I didn't miss it at the same time. Yeah. And so I wouldn't want to do that as a steady diet with movies. I no, mean, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but totally. But I didn't really, you know, I was really trying to find a solid structure. I bet you if I like sat down and really kind of. I don't know. Picked it out. Just, I probably could find it, but on first I watch. I feel this so. is very anti-structure. Um, yeah. Also, the timeline for me was super confusing. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there were so many flashbacks, even with Annie Hall, and I never knew where in the relationship this scene was. Right. Like, and give him a different haircut okay or something. With that, something. I'm okay with yeah. that because he didn't... The fucked up thing that I find about movies right now is that everybody fucking holds your hand as you're watching a movie. What this guy did is he didn't hold your hand. He gave you a flashback and he let you he let you play catch up in the moment. And I'm totally okay with that because if he like tried to make it in a way that kind of just told us this is a flashback and this is not I'm like, eh, okay, okay, fine, whatever. But I love that it, he looked at the audience and said, these guys are going to be smart enough to follow along with what I'm doing. And I'm okay with that. And you know? if they aren't smart enough to follow along, well, then that's just not an audience that I'm trying to reach. Exactly. Yeah. The flashbacks often included them in the scene as, you know. They well, he had the, the one where she was seeing like her last her yeah, ex-boyfriends and everything yeah. and stuff. Those were kind of interesting. 
It felt. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed those. Themselves. Yeah. It just was really hard for me for timeline because the story is basically about how he fell in love and lost Annie Hall. And for me, there are certain scenes where I couldn't tell if they're flashbacks or if it was kind of building towards Something. the fight. Or yeah. I didn't know. Maybe the whole point was, you know, kind of showing that sometimes there's arguments and then things are great. And then, but I just, I lost the context in the second act for me a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I agree. It got loose there. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep in the second act. <laughs> and I woke up and I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's still, it's. it was better Is than I the thought same, it was going to be. Am I in the same spot? I expected to come in here and trash the movie. And if anybody knows me, I'm kind of a curmudgeon when it comes to like, you know, praising certain movies. And I thought I was going to really trash it. But it was better than I expected. Do I think it was... It deserves to be considered a classic. Maybe for the time it was released, you know, but nowadays, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just me. It's interesting. It's interesting, too, to watch a movie like that uh, because, I mean, I'm dating myself. I was born in 85, right? So 77, almost 10 years before I was even squirted out. So at the Aww. same time, it's one of those <laughs> things for me where re- watching that movie and then looking at all the references. Very descriptive. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, watching all the references, because like uh, Derek C. in France did uh, Blue Valentine, and it, Blue Valentine was very reminiscent of how Woody Allen told this story with the mm-hmm. flashbacks, you know, mm-hmm. the parallel oh, actions yeah. kind of happening. I was like, that's kind of interesting. You brought up like some of the joke setups from like Family Guy and the yeah. way that they bring in some of these jokes. It's so interesting to me to see art now and then think about, well, right. fuck, maybe this was probably where they got these ideas from. Well, talent borrows and genius steals, right? Yeah. So, I mean. Okay. I have to go slightly off here what you guys are talking about, the actual filmmaking process, and then just nitpick. Because he there was this scene, and there was, it happened a couple times in, in the movie, where he was talking about... Um, they were standing in line to go see that movie, right? Yeah. And the guy behind him, Todd at Columbia or whatever... Talking about Fellini. talking about Fellini and Bergman and all these people. And I just it just reminds me of every single film fest I've ever worked at, ever, ever. And every red carpet I've ever been on. Nobody talks like that. Like nobody, all all the actors and people that are already there in the industry, nobody talks like that. It's all these, you know, interns and these other people that are like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Just came out of film school. Yeah, Yeah, you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like I remember I was working on this. um, um, Werner Herzog did uh, a film called Cave of Forgotten Dreams. And it was That's really, such a Werner uh, title. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. He even did. They did it here. We did this huge premiere at the Natural History Museum in L.A. So it was very, very so him. It very was so Werner. him. Yeah. Anyway, and this, this, these kids were sitting there talking, and they were like, and and Werner Herzog, and the the way they were saying it, I'm like, who the hell are you guys talking about? You mean Werner Herzog? <laughs> you know, it's like nobody <laughs> talks like that. Right. Shut up. It's annoying filmmakers, these beginners that are like super. I guess you got to. It's always the people who think they know better than the people actually in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And the rest of us are like behind the scenes, you know, doing the jerk off motion because it's so annoying. Oh yeah. Like wow, why? Shut up. Hear that intern pretentiousness. Hear that intern stop being pretentious pricks. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, we get it. You rented a Bergman movie. Jesus Christ! Go away. Yeah. Well, and, you know, film professors have to act like they have this deep understanding of film and everything because that's 
they have to that's their selling point of their job no way man i teach film and i just show like animal house and stuff but see you're a good one best movie <laughs> right. ever right that's what i'm saying i mean i i yes. ha- i had the professors in mass media communications and mm-hmm. film and a lot of stuff where i'm like no that's that's wrong. Even in mass media and society, uh, I went to a liberal arts school, Northern Indiana, um, and we're all uh, victims of liberal arts schools, mm. probably. <laughs> yeah, and and I just remember, I, uh, I remember my my professor uh, was t- in mass media was talking about how MTV was the first time any channel was basically a twenty four seven commercial, and all of their shows are just commercials, and all the stuff, and MTV is just the devil, and. MTV this MTV like they were the first ones to just sell out and all the stuff and I raised my hand I'm like what about the price is right where you win if you know exactly what a specific name brand costs mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah. that's a literally a show that's product yeah. placement that yeah. rewards you for being a any consumer. game show was product placement <laughs> well any show show TV was made to sell advertising that's the what shows TV's there for the yeah. shows are what get you to watch the commercials yeah. right. <laughs> I mean that's the whole point well kind of coming back to um you know how we watch media now right like Everybody wants things like this. They want it yesterday, and they want to be able to watch it fast, right. you know? So our attention spans, everybody keeps talking about getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Mm-hmm. I want you guys, I don't know if you guys paid attention to how long the shots were in Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they were like, they were saying that it averaged around 14 seconds a shot. Nowadays, you're averaging about four to five seconds a shot. Depending, yeah, depending oh on God. what the content. Have is. you it's seen crazy. hit record on TV? Yeah, it's, it's like if you if you're prone to like seizures, trip, yeah, if it's you're like prone sh- to seizures, sh- sh- you sh- cannot watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. The cuts happen just, every second. Yeah. It gave me yeah. a headache. Well, my yeah. thing is, is it's so interesting to I watch a movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to me to watch a movie that allowed the scene to develop, to breathe, to yeah. breathe, just right. to be in the moment. Again, like I was kind of saying, like you kind of have to be present right. while you're watching this scene to kind of get all the pieces that are coming through. Yeah. And there's parts, and I kind of found myself doing this. I don't know if you guys did it, but I kind of found myself like, fuck, dude, that was a really long-ass shot. And they're still talking? <laughs> Is the camera still <laughs> moving right now? Yeah. yeah. Shit. And yeah. then I'm like, okay, well, shut up, dude. Just pay attention, you know? Well, the interesting thing about the the heavy dialogue and the expositional dialogue is it, it wasn't really expositional in the sense where you could literally take the dialogue and substitute in, like, wah, 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 wah. And as long as you're paying attention to the way that these characters are communicating, yeah. right. you Get still it. understand you what's going on with their totally. relationship. So He does align himself with cinematographers that get his unique vision, though. Mm. I mean... It's that all like it's sure. all happening on a stage, is what I felt like. Right. Yeah. Right. It definitely felt it like it could happen on a stage. There did is he? So, I didn't so look it up. Like did he? Do, so did he write cut. plays before he did film? Um, I mean, I think he did them in tandem. He was a, he wrote jokes for for NBC right. late right. night. Right. He was, that's right. what he would really everything. stand up and all that. But I, I just kind of wonder if that's how he started and then kind of like his character and then segued into film. Yeah. I just um, I don't know exactly what his first movie felt like was. A stage play. Right. I can't remember exactly what his first movie. But uh, he sold the script. Somebody else directed it, and they just butchered it. And so from that oh, from that moment on, right. he just directed all the other mm-hmm. ones. But I don't know which came first, you know, theater yeah. or you know, cinema. But um, the way that he stages everything, mm-hmm. totally, man. I mean, like yeah. the you know, talking to all the people that are walking just right, randomly. Right. And I love how they're yeah. giving him advice. Yeah, you know, as he's just kind of walking down the line. You know, I mean, it yeah. felt like a an episode of too. How I Met Your Mother. You know yeah. what I mean? As we're just walking down the way. Which I is, loved it. I don't know if anything's ever been done like that before. I don't. 
I don't recall seeing movies where they've done like that, like they've cut and then they start talking to the camera. And I thought it was really interesting, you know, for when you think about it being done in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, definitely created multiple genres and multiple ways of filmmaking. And I mean, I love like I love some of the um, surrealism that happens throughout this movie. I mean, you get this moment where you have Annie's character that wants to smoke weed before she has sex. Because she wants, because weed makes her present, right? And he's right, like, "Well, right. I can't, I can't have sex with you because I feel you're like someplace, someplace else." And so they're right. trying to have sex in that moment, and he's, you know, talking her ear yeah. off, and all of a sudden, her, <laughs> her she gets, up. She gets yeah. up, her spirit gets up and sits over on the other side, and they're having this really See, interesting. This is what I'm talk. talking about. Mm-hmm. You're not present. You're not here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's like the weirdest. Uh, I don't want to say weird. I thought it was kind of interesting, or even the moment where they're talking to each other and then they put the subtext and subtitles. Yeah, underneath right. of all yeah. that, I'm like, at, that is so apartment. great. That's badass. Yeah. Mm. And I, I just love the surrealism. Mm-hmm. I love it. I will say. Uh, th- He's gotten better with this in future movies, but this movie I felt uh, it was just kind of nonstop anxiety through the whole thing. Yeah, um, there wasn't like he, a Ben Stiller movie. Well, he's just he's just gotten so much better with later films at pacing and about. Uh, it's kind of like in improv we have where it's called resting the game, mm-hmm. where you're not constantly. Um, you're not constantly saying the joke and saying the punchline. It's you have some time to let it breathe and then get back into yeah, it. Yeah. And with this movie, there was no resting of the game. Every character is is cranked up to eleven. It's very manic. I wrote down like just it was he was manic, everybody was manic when he was in the room with the guy trying to have him write jokes for his show. Mm-hmm. That guy was manic. Every there was just not a break. It was like an Aaron Sorkin monologue <laughs> where yeah. the walk and talk where it's just nonstop. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I feel like he's gotten way better at pacing and sure. way better at adding layers and adding some variety to it. Um, and this movie once again was kind of like one of his beginning and yeah. he is mm-hmm. a genius. But for me, it was like, damn, it was like Armageddon where after a while it's just like, just everybody just die. Just give up. I'm just so tired. It's yeah. going on forever. If me. he toned himself down a little bit, I yeah. think it would have been a lot more tolerable because yeah, it, it was like exhausting. Uh-huh. Just again, he's he has the gift of gab, but Sometimes there's too much of that gift where it's like, oh my god, it's this is so exhausting listening yeah. to him just talk, 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 yeah. talk, talk. Well, the other characters I felt should because he is like that, and this is just I don't care what they name his character. That's Woody Allen. Yeah. Right. I feel like the other character should have just been completely different. His the way he wrote all the other characters were very similar to how he writes himself. Um, and then like with is it Midnight in Paris? Is that the name yeah. of it? Yeah. That one I felt like the characters were more. There was more of a variety to the tempo of their speech to, I mean, granted, every movie. So, I mean, kind of jumping ahead, but, like, if it was released today, he kind of keeps releasing this movie, but with different people playing his part and different plots and everything. Right. Um, right. But, but yeah, that was a big complaint for me, where it was just exhausting yeah. because it was just nonstop. He's exhausting. But I feel yeah. like his older stuff, on. like his newer stuff now, though, doesn't have the same... I don't know. At least for me, it doesn't have the same um, well, it's anxiety. Not as, well, it's neuroses. not as raw. Yeah, they're neuroses that... He's um, a little more calm now, I, I guess think. so. Yeah. You know? Maybe. I, you know, I think he later. should stay out of it, though. I mean, he's. I, I think is even though you're right, it's, it's not 
not the word charm. You're right. It's the anxiety, and sometimes you want that. You know, right. sometimes yeah. you want to go to a movie and be scared. Sometimes you want to laugh. But he has this weird way of making a comedy that you're not quite comfortable with, too. Right. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like he should choose one or the other. Stay behind the camera, which he's been doing now, rather mm. than being in front of the camera and behind it at the same time, because that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to do that once in a short film in college. That was the worst acting I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but was it a good learning experience? It was a great learning experience. But yeah. I just remember sitting on the couch during the scene thinking, like, continuity-wise, is that poster supposed to be here in the scene? Yeah. What's yeah. happening? Right. And so when I looked back at my acting, I was like, oh, my God, no one's ever going to see this. Yeah. <laughs> it was super. I'm pretty sure we all have films like that. I was, was just going to say that. Yeah, we yeah. all got films like that. Yeah. The one-liners that were in this movie were insanely funny. Mm-hmm. Mental yeah. masturbation. I've been killing spiders since I was thirty. Yeah, you know? <laughs> people and were talking about that was like, great. Yeah, and then what was the other one with? Uh, I haven't been myself since I stopped smoking. And then she says, "Well, when did you quit smoking?" And he said, "Like when I was twenty-five. I forget what the well, the line was." And then the girl didn't understand right, the right. joke. It She's went like, totally what? over her head. I don't get it. Yeah. Is that what you're? What? How old are you? Yeah, exactly. My favorite parts, though, are when he just fixates on the most randomest thing, like the killer, uh, like the JFK assassination. Oh, yeah, he, he gets just out of bed. So that was fixated. a sex scene. Yeah. Like, this just yeah, doesn't make sense. That was a sex scene. He's like, she's like, not again. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Because, you know, if he was on the grassy knoll, they said it was an exit wound, not an enter- entrance wound. Entry- yeah, and he and just goes like, through the whole thing. Wow. It's no like people arguing about laid. 9-11 now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it was there, 9-11. I guess. I guess. But he just get into weird conversations like that the whole time. We're okay. Just like, Did anyone catch when he was being bailed out of jail when he was in California? When he goes, uh, he told his friend Rob, he said, I, I heard some high-pitched squealing in the background. He goes... Yeah, that was twins, 16-year-old twins. Yeah. And you ruined it. <laughs> yes. Did you guys catch that? I did. Yeah. What the hell was that? Back then, it was all right. It's oh, kind of like the... Yeah. He's like, like 50. Hey, I'm just. But yeah, I think back then, back then that was then the age of acceptable. consent. Look at uh, wow. look at the um, Bill Cosby stuff. You know oh what I mean? Gosh, talking about yeah. Spanish Fly. But do we need to really get into his history as well? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Ooh. yeah, a little shady. <laughs> yeah, Cosby. I did like the. You had mentioned the one-liners. I really liked yeah. the one after he just got done having sex with uh, what's the girl's name that played olive oil in Popeye? Shelly Duvall. Duvall. Yeah. Duvall. And she's like, sorry, it took me so long to get off. And he's like, oh, yeah. no, no, it's okay. It's I'm okay. starting my to get feeling tired. back in my yeah. jaw. Yeah. <laughs> like the, I was like, just walk it the hell off, man. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. It would have been good if he directed himself. He said if in the, in, with Jews, you don't kill yourself because if you, if you kill yourself, your shrink makes you pay for all the sessions you miss. <laughs> That's hilarious. I wrote yeah. that yeah. down. I was like, this guy's hilarious. I felt, all these for, I felt bad for Christopher Walken's character when he was trying to <laughs> open up to Woody Allen. And then Woody Allen, I mean, it reminds yeah. you that, oh, no, this the main character is not a good person. Yeah. 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 He was totally like, opening up, and then you. he just basically walked away. That was actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Where, where he's where talking he about talking that? Where talking to Christopher Walken, and he was saying, yeah, and sometimes I just want to drive into... You know, oncoming, oncoming traffic, traffic yeah. and then the very next scene is they're all like crammed in the, the yeah, front that of this was, tiny that little funny. Carrera. Yeah, and he's like, Woody Allen's terrified. Yeah, yeah, that was. Hilarious. I thought that was funny. Baby Walken, 
was a baby. He was so little. Baby hey. walking. Yeah, he just barely, he barely. was so young, he barely had his uh-huh. yeah. signature like, voice. Sold. Yeah. You could yeah. Tra- <laughs> tell he was trying to not, he was trying to sound normal. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Now yeah. he's just like, hey, hey bada so boom. Hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I one time saw off the topic, I saw him on the actor studio, and he says that he dances in every single movie because it's his homage to Broadway. Uh-huh. It was like all the filmmakers in the front row going, uh, what about the budget? What about the time? What did He's like, I just got to dance. I dance, damn it. His Fat Boy Slim video is one of the Pretty best good. Oh, yeah. videos oh, yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. It's, just, it's cool to watch him as like a young yeah. Christopher Walken. And a young yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great um, starting point for him, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of people in there. Did you see little baby Jeff Goldblum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he? he was yeah. tiny. He was a baby. <laughs> he's, well, talking to, he's talking to his shrink and he's telling him that I forgot my mantra. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> quickest little Yeah, I, I wrote down there's a bunch. There's Carol yeah. Kane was out. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. He played the first wife, right? She played the yeah. first wife. Yeah. Uh, Paul Simon, Shelley mm-hmm. Duvall, John Glover. Mm-hmm. Love that dude. Paul uh, Simon was really awkward in it, yeah. though. Like, I felt like he kept kind of accidentally looking into the camera. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was nervous. Act and yeah. other things, and he's good, but it, that, I don't know. It's probably he, one of his first. Yeah, it seemed like he really bad acting. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, they also said that Beverly D'Angelo was in it, and yeah, I don't remember is. seeing her. What? When they were doing the canned laughter um, for his friend Rob's TV mm, for show. For the TV show. Um, she's the actress that's playing opposite of him on the on screen. the screen. Yeah. Oh man, so that's super yeah, fast. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver's in it too. Oh really? Her f- first film role, I guess. I didn't. I didn't <gasps> the credit said she was like the one waiting outside of the theater for him or something, but I didn't rec- I didn't see her in that. Okay. I just hmm. She's just credited. For right. That. <laughs> yeah, that's thought that was crazy. Cool. So yeah, so cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's any fine. any other notes before we get into the little bit of trivia that I pulled up? Were we gonna, anything else? Were we going to? We're gonna do all that other recast. Stuff. We are okay. going to. Okay. It's cool, just cool. not quite yet. But anything just, else you want to talk about? I don't know. I just I'm kind of curious. I mean, in 2015, they said that this was the best comedy script ever written from mm. the WGA. Oh, WGA. I don't rank this as the best. You know what? And they even say it's it ranks what? it to this day. Ranks it as number one. Mm-hmm. The, really? still? the that, best, I, okay. the best comedy script ever written by the I, WGA. Okay, so. right. But I kind of felt like know. this was anti-comedy. I mean, they even talk about like a, a comedy film fan. You have well, to what watch is comedy. It. Irony. Well, but how I'm, much irony is rooted in this damn film? <laughs> but yeah, I feel like this would, is more of a drama. I mean, he's a comedic character, but it's kind of like, I mean, I guess I could have renamed this Tears of a Clown, but like I felt <laughs> yeah. I felt it was something where he's a super funny guy and super how it's helped him in his career being super neurotic and yeah. whatever. But it's like, but his personal life is in the shitter. I mean, yeah. even even the woman he wanted to have sex with the whole bunch, she didn't want to have sex with him. I sure. mean, with mm-hmm. Allison, that was kind of like the opposite. But there was right. the other woman where he wanted to the get with her. One, yeah. yeah, and she just was... Not, Not really having it. I mean, there was always that that disconnect. I, I definitely just, disagree with the what who, yeah. who who gave that the WGA. Review? Yeah, I don't agree. Let's at go all. egg their office. Yeah, <laughs> okay. screw you. Pitchforks and think. flaming torches. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, more surprise sex. Yes. I mean, there's another one saying structurally, um, nine to five is one of the best comedy scripts, and I would oh, I would yeah. agree more with that one because it does structurally speaking, it is like yeah textbook comedy script this one i wouldn't agree with that 
You know what we could do with nine to five? We could just go on the Aussie Cobb network, right? That's not a thing anymore. No. We've totally re restructured what? everything. Oh, did you? But we already did nine to five. Yeah, I know you did nine yeah. to five. Mm-hmm. So we can check out your commentary. Yeah, you can you can go to upon further review right. and you can you can listen to that one. Won't that be great? Shameless plug. Shameless plug. You're welcome, yeah. Noah. <laughs> I thought it was cool the Truman Capote lookalike was actually Truman Capote. Oh, was oh. it really? Yeah, that's cool. I thought that was really funny. Um. Yeah. That guy. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. And I guess this was loosely based off of his actual relationship with Diane Keaton. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Her last. N- sure, her yeah. real last name is Diane Hall, and her nickname for a long time was Annie. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um. And he. The working title for this was I don't know how to say it. An anhedonia. No clue how to say it. Basically, mm. it's the inability to feel pleasure. Right. But United Artists didn't like that because they didn't. Marketing was like, how do you explain well, yeah, that? If, you, if you don't know how to pronounce it, that's not really a yeah. good marketing <laughs> ploy. So, and other titles suggested were it had to be Jew, a roller coaster named Desire, and Me and My Goy. <laughs> and what was you, what was yours again? You you had uh, something. About, it was a Jew what, joke. Yeah. What's the matter with Jew? Oh, I like oh, that. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Jew I mean, don't know who you're messing with. Yeah, it's, what's the matter with Jew? <laughs> but that's insensitive. Yeah, right. It is insensitive. Yeah, he well, was super. Like, he was kind of, you know, uh, uh, a little prejudiced himself, yes, assuming was. that everybody Everyone. was anti-Semitic. That's yeah. right. And there was a few references to foreskin. Did you guys catch yeah. that? Yeah. I wrote that down. I'm like foreskin? Question mark. It's just a weird thing to talk about in a I mean, movie. I think I talk about foreskin all the time, though, because. It's, that, that's what I'm going to go on Shark right. Tank for. I told you guys oh, really? this, right? Yeah. I'm going on Shark Tank. I, I, I would like to take all of the foreskin from mm. when kids get uh, <laughs> circumcised and there make wallets out of them. <laughs> oh, and gross. the cool thing is, though, when you rub the wallet, it turns into a suitcase. Wow. <laughs> oh, my. So it goes from foreskin to five skin. Yeah. Wow. Expands. The fuck. Wow. You think any of the sharks would jump Mind on blown. Totally. I would totally be all <laughs> if on I, that. I would give you all my monies. Yeah, I mean it would be waterproof. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it would. better than leather <laughs> <laughs> from the soles of little babies. No. But when it gets cold, it shrinks back up into. Uh, oh my god! So it's basically it, Mary Poppins' purse. It yes. fits in most overhead <laughs> storage <laughs> compartments. <laughs> Just it's, sprinkle a little bit of you know. Yeah, sorry about put that. Put it in, in the cold. Jesus. Sure, it's large, but it's carry on. Yeah. You know, you can still fit it in the overhead. It just Gosh. looks like it was made from like the devil's handbook. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. The Book of the Dead. <laughs> exactly. Mary Pop. I'm you could get Sam Raimi to endorse yet. That's this. the only thing holding me back from going on Shark Tank as a name, but I like Mary something along the lines Mary of Mary Poppins, Poppins purse. purse. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you just call this it happened. the Poppin purse. Yeah. But this oh. happened foreskin. So Anyway, we'll, to, we'll, we were we'll, talking we'll about think his tank. anti We'll think tank. We'll yeah. come up with some great names <laughs> for that. Uh, what's, what I thought was interesting is he uh, originally envisioned this as a murder mystery. Yeah. They um, cut it all out. They shot it, too, and they just cut it all yeah, out. Yeah, they cut out that part, and he kind of used that stuff for Manhattan Murder Mystery in 93. Mm-hmm. So yeah. waited That's a actually long time. my favorite Woody Allen movie, Manhattan Murder yeah? Mystery. I really liked it, yeah. Hmm. I have not seen that one. I think I need to. I think you need to, yeah. Seppuku. His, you know, I've, I found with his movies, he has such a large collection of films that uh it's a little daunting to try and figure out which one to kind of jump in and start because there's so many what was the first woody allen movie that you'd ever seen uh probably probably midnight in paris 
Oh, really? Was the first one. I wow. saw that on a plane on the way to London a couple of years ago. Interesting. I liked it. It was good. Yeah, that's, was interesting that's one of indeed. the good ones. Yeah. I mean, he cranks out one movie a year. They're not all going to be gold. Yeah. You know, well, he's had a deal with MGM, who Sony owns now. What about you? First, I think it was Manhattan you? or Annie Hall in that class. It was like Manhattan? a film stu- studies class oh, uh, okay. back in like 2001, and I was like nodding off in class. Yeah, it was. It's I, like, I, I want to go like see Face Off in the theaters. <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> I just didn't under, I didn't appreciate anything no. back then because right. no, I didn't learn no. it yet. So mm. um, no, it wasn't John Woo. Yeah, yeah. The wire working in Annie Hall was just pathetic. Phenomenal. So of course John Woo is going to be much better with the wire work. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think mine was Midnight in Paris, and then I saw um, what's the n- other one with Kate Blanchett. Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine. Yeah. And I like those. I like those those movies. I loved Kate Blanche's character. So I saw his older older movies. And then mm-hmm. before I watched this one, I tried to watch Sleeper. I turned it off. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Um, no offense to you, Woody Allen, if you hear this. You probably don't give a fuck about it anyway. But I just couldn't do it, man. Yeah, that's kind of how it was with the, the Jade Scorpion one. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't I don't care. know. It, maybe it's just too much of a... Uh, generational well, gap he's super, I, I mean he's kind of the first mainstream filmmaker to also be experimental mm-hmm. right. you know yeah. so i mean you're gonna have hits and misses because he's sure. just trying different things exactly and by the time you figure out if that does well or not mm-hmm. um he's on to the next thing yeah. right yeah so it's like uh it worked <laughs> great anyway <laughs> working yeah. on you can learn yeah. a lot from how this dude makes movies, though, man, oh because God, he just doesn't yeah. care. He just makes no. them. You know yeah. what I mean? And he just he, he's already on to the next one before exactly. anybody can say, oh, this shit sucks. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I got another one. Exactly. You he's like, I mean? this I love is that. the dialogue I'm going to talk about. I'm going to make a movie about it. People are going to see it and screw you. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I think Midnight it's in amazing. Paris was the first one that I actually enjoyed from him. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was like, oh, Woody Allen movie. Yeah. I, it was the only thing in the theater at the time that was that was either worth seeing or that I hadn't already seen. My right. wife were like, we were like, oh, let's go see a movie. I guess we'll see this. Right. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of an asshole film student because everybody in film school was like, oh, Woody Allen this and Woody Allen that because yeah. he's like this. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I didn't see any Woody Allen movies while I was in college because everybody was like, you got to watch here. him. He's the best. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. So yeah. take that path of least resistance. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? You tell me to jump. I'm just I'm not going to be like where I'm going to be like, I'm going to sit. Yeah, right. <laughs> you right. know. jump. No, yeah. mm, I didn't stretch today. <laughs> so I just bought these shoes. I don't get them wet. You know, I might rip my pants. <laughs> you, don't um, you don't want that. So I, I don't know. I just never really gotten into it. And then until, to be honest with you, until you said uh, we're gonna watch Annie Hall, I was like, all right. Well, I guess I'll do some cinema history, I suppose. And then I just kind of started watching more and more things. My mother-in-law, she grew up um, watching all of his movies, and she mm-hmm. loves him. So she right. was over. She was over for a week. Um, and she was just like, I love Woody Allen. He's the best, you know, da da da. She just loved it. And I just, I'm telling you, it's a generational thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. cool. Oh, no. All right. So, uh, Tomorrowland, what do we think? This is the segment where we kind of just hypothesize where the characters mm-hmm. go when the cameras turn off. So, we'll start with Gary. What do you think? What happens? What he happens goes next? home and jerks off. Like that's literally probably what he does. <laughs> he just goes home and he's just like, bam, bam, jerk my off. autobiography. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, that's what I really think happened. He's probably gonna. What do you think happens with Annie? 
Um, I think she's probably um, she gets a new boyfriend and she finds out that she's has the confidence and she doesn't need a man to do what she wants to do. You know, she just kind of goes through her process and becomes the best lounge singer in the world. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's. I don't know. Maybe she moves to Atlantic maybe? City. Yeah, and she's, <laughs> she's Cabo Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what do you think? I, uh, you know, Annie, like you had said, uh, Annie in the film, she's the one that had the arc. I mean, mm-hmm. right. every act of the film, she was a completely different person. She was a mess, and then she got her shit together. And I would assume that after the camera stopped rolling, eventually she goes through another phase in her life. You know. Mm-hmm. And she meets just like a successful guy. They kind of like both realize it's time to settle down. They get married and kind of live their life like a normal person. But I would. promise you, the love but, of her life was Alvy. Promise you that. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, that doesn't mean that they need to end up. But together, see, I'm though. not sold yeah. on that. Like, yeah, how was he either. lovable? How He's was he not. lovable? He wasn't lovable but at gotta, all. I don't know. You got to understand from a, like a relationship upset, standpoint. You know, yeah, but I think period. it was like a battle every single time. Like yeah. from the wit standpoint, I feel like mm. they were always in constant conflict with one another and like their own ideologies. Because well, he didn't think she was smart enough. Right, and she well, kept. She perceived that. Yeah. He didn't. Well, he didn't. Was, he didn't yeah, say he didn't really that wasn't the it. case. Yeah, that's yeah. True. When even when she said You're it, right. he just was quiet. Clean or washing the dishes, he did not respond to that whatsoever. Yeah, but if she gets into a relationship with like the quintessential status quo, right? You know, she's gonna be like, "Well, way more fun when I was just getting bitched at." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he challenged her exactly. Um, I don't necessarily though think that that's what she wanted. Right. I felt it was more. I felt that relationship was more for him than it was for her. I mean, even at the end when he goes to mm. uh, L.A. to like make this grand gesture, I came out all the way. He wasn't begging her to come back because he would change for her. He was begging her to come back the end, mm-hmm. even though they both were he like, just this isn't. Back. He just wanted her back. He had no no desire to change his ways to make her happy. Mm-hmm. And so I felt it was a little bit selfish on his side. So I think I think she was the love of his life, but I don't think he was the love of her life. Nope. No. I don't even, I mean, because mm-hmm. yeah. she was kind of floating in life anyway. I feel like he helped her because, I mean, he, you know, paying for her therapy sessions, which she just loved because she got to open up and realize a lot about herself before they met. She was just kind of floating along in life and just kind of, not really being that self-aware, and she was more, but I think, so it hel- he helped her, but I think at this point, it was the jumping-off point where now she didn't need him anymore, and now she could even okay. open herself up to find maybe somebody. Something mm. better. Maybe. Do you have any thoughts about what Yeah, happens? I think that the second that they parted, she crossed the street, and did you guys notice all the traffic after yeah, yeah, they were kind of driving yeah. pretty crazy, yeah. too. Yeah, I yeah. Saw that. But that's New York for you. I think she you. left him. She was like, okay, well, have fun. Good luck. She left him, went to an audition, and got herself a play. And him, he just probably uh, went to an appointment with his therapist. I don't know. I don't know what happened to that guy. Yeah, I feel like I he kind of really ends up like a Louis C.K. You know really what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah, he's going to be a curmudgeon yeah. for the rest of his life yeah. and he's doing his comedy right. and he never really ends up He'll with come something. in and out of relationships yeah. and never really change because because of that he right. comes in and out of relationship because he's the one that refuses to change right and some people are like that sure i think um, he's i mean I, it kind of reminds me of gary shandling too a yeah. little bit with mm-hmm. just the whole curmudgeon kind of always anxious or uncomfortable right you know or the, i mean gary shandling guys, i think uh, now is settled down but it took him a, happy you know, a long, a long time. 
Well, after a while, <laughs> just being that anxious, you just get fucking yeah. tired, guys. Or it's like, right. all right, I guess I need to go with the flow of things. So I don't know if he ever yeah. changed, but I think, I think she did. Settling down does not beget happiness. True. True, true, true. Well, quote me. <laughs> oh, I thought you were signaling like, okay. For I have spoken. Anyway, that's what I think. What about right. you? Uh, I mean, yeah, just I think she goes on to try different things. I, f- I found it was in- one of the things I thought was interesting were the ages <laughs> where he was like early 40s. She was early 30s. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, if you think about gender roles, those are the times where each of those genders should have their shit figured out. Mm-hmm. For the most part, at least that's like society is saying like, oh, you're 30. Why aren't you married yet? Ugh, to women. that conversation. Man. And with guys, it's like, you're 40. Why aren't you like super established in your career? When you live in the big, like, like in New York, though, I feel like that kind of that that rule doesn't apply. Oh, with totally. You. Well, yeah. a big city. Or does it? I don't know. Do you, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it anymore. Do you think it's just a bla- well, but this is 70s this when the 70s, all that's yeah. Yeah. a little slightly different. I don't yeah. know. You go home and everybody's always asking, "When are you gonna? When are you gonna mm. settle down? Yeah, you know where are you going?" That's everyone's question when you're single, though. Everybody, I got every- that question. Every girlfriend I had starting in college was, "Is she the one?" Do you? I'm like, <laughs> I, don't I don't even know, know if I totally I like her. Old fashioned <laughs> I don't. Let me tell you after <laughs> oh, our first shit. movie date. Yeah, you know, she could have grabbed it too hard. I don't know. We haven't even <laughs> done it yet, Mom. God, <laughs> I don't want to end up with yeah. a lame duck. <laughs> you raised me better than that. <laughs> Some people aren't looking for the one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. True. Some people right? aren't. No, you yeah. can't judge that. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not, you know. All right, so let's go. True. Let's go. If we had to re- remake this, mm. what's the casting? Which I'm surprised Hollywood hasn't done yet. Well, but mm. once again, Woody Allen's kind of remade this in different ways with different plots, and yeah, different whatever. But it's still his character, so I feel like they don't have to remake this because he does all the time. So, are you <laughs> assuming that if Amy Adams is not? <laughs> we've we've lifted the ban okay, on Amy Adams. So Scott, uh, the first ten episodes, we basically realized that Amy Adams would be perfect in any movie that we recast. Yeah, she's I, now super, that I think about it, she would be perfect for that. Role. Yeah, yeah. So you can I just want to give her a hug, and tell her. It's yeah. Be okay. Oh, she looks. Yeah. She <laughs> stop crying, Amy Adams. She just looks like she just yeah. needs a hug. She needs um, but she'd be perfect. So we kind of banned her from being cast because we were casting her in everything. It's, like it's, like it's kind of yeah. lazy. Right. Um, but it's been long enough where if you want to. Okay. The ban has been lifted. The ban has been lifted. Having said that, I did not recast her. Fair enough. You know who I that cast was a twist. as Annie? Hmm. Who? Carrie Washington. Mm. I almost did. That's really? very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like that though. <laughs> yeah. And then. Uh, it's tough. Right. That character I thought was, I was the one I, I had yeah, the hardest. I was stumped on that too. Who'd you have for? Um, Patrick Dempsey. Really? I can see him. He's really choppy and weird, and I've seen him in McDreamy. Is that him? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I would I've not actually have a- seen him in a few. Um, I saw him in a Neil Simon play, and I thought, oh my gosh, that guy's so quirky and weird. He could totally do this. Really? Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen him like that. I've always seen him super charismatic, and yeah. that's not what I would ever accuse Woody Allen of being. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I'll send you guys the link. Oh, I forgot what I, movie We need to see it. And we'll okay. put it, and if you send it, we'll put it in the description for this episode. Okay. So the world can see yeah. Patrick Dempsey being neurotic. Yeah. That's, that was yeah, your casting. Interesting. Is it Brighton Beach Memoirs? Brian, no. I, that, I felt like, yeah. Was it? 
I think so. Something like that. Mm-hmm. He can be very New York-y and very weird and yeah. I want to see this. He can play that a Jew is what I'm trying to say. Ah, he can play yes, a Jew. Yes. <laughs> um, I didn't really have anybody for Annie, but uh, the first person that I thought of if they were going to remake the film was, um, again, I forgot to take my pills today, so my brain's <laughs> not working. What's the guy's name that plays Lex Luthor in the new Superman, Batman Oh, movie? Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Totally. I, I would assume, yeah. you know, I could just see him because he has that rambling, you know, Absolutely. social commentary yep. kind of vibe going well, on. Like in so Zombieland is very a Woody Allen slash um, So it's Michael basically the social Sarah. network as a rom-com. Kind of, kind of. Well, his, yeah. well, his character in Zombieland, it was kind of his character had a little rom com element to that movie too. Wanting to get with was it Tallahassee? I can't remember the. I forget what what her character's name was. I remember. I love that movie. Gary, what would you think, buddy? Oh, uh, what was your name, Gary? I think I was looking at it from a couple of different point of views because how whimsical certain scenes happen throughout this film, some of the surrealism that kind of got thrown into it. If I was looking at it, because I, I always look at it from a directing standpoint first and then kind of treacle down, but I think Wes Anderson are. would direct a really cool version of sure. this movie, in my yeah, opinion. Um, so if I was going down that stream, Jason Schwartzman would be really interesting as okay. Alvy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. Um, but for the for the girl, I was. It's tough because I feel like you go with Jason Schwartzman. He's still kind of in the weird age range, so you got to get somebody right. younger, right, to play. But then I was also well, maybe Ben Stiller could play the part pretty good too. Yeah. Um, and then I'd probably throw in something like Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Can see I that. can see that for sure. I had a hard time with casting her because I felt like he overshadowed her so much in mm-hmm. every scene. Totally. It's like. So I was just thinking, you know, I can't really think of anybody because her personality, like, it, it develops. But I just really had a hard time, like, thinking about who resonated with me modern day. And that was that was something that was kind of fascinating in this that I didn't even I forgot to bring up is I agree. He totally dominated her. And I feel like in this film, it's from his point of view. So you're seeing because he's such a dominating presence and you're kind of seeing her just as kind of like the token uh, like dream girl mm-hmm. basically without letting her really be herself because that's kind of how he is. He's kind of imposes himself on every character. So I thought, yeah, it was kind of hard with her character because her arc happened almost in spite of his efforts mm-hmm. in spite of his character's efforts. It, it really kind of, you know, sh- she really could shine, but most of the time is just beating down on her. And I thought that was, Great. I mean, because that's the film. The film's called her, but it's all about him. Right. And as I just felt that was great. F- Do you, you know, think narrative. he wanted her to have success, though? Do you think he wanted? I, to- uh, I think it's a lot of people where they want someone to be better and want someone to be successful, but not more than them. Right. Yeah. And right. I think yeah, that right. that's <laughs> you know just kind of how the world is. I right. want you to succeed, but I mean, like not not more than me, because <laughs> right, like in your your version where she goes off and she gets an amazing part, like right. he's at the house reading about everything and kind of mm-hmm. brooding, like fuck, right. I'll let this one go, God damn yeah. it, yeah. You know? But she wouldn't have been able to be that with him, right? No, you know, because um, a lot of stuff was on his terms, mm-hmm. and I mean, once again, it kind of fit the theme of the film. Fucking dick. <laughs> you do you, Annie Hall. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I have a director. I think this would be interesting. I have okay. Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. his take yeah, would be maybe. very interesting in this. And for Woody Allen's character, I have Jason Bateman. 
I think that would be fun. I could see it. And I don't totally know if you've seen see Bad yeah. Words, but yeah, I love that. Movie. I love that movie. But that's him being a complete despicable asshole. But he's still likable right. in the mm-hmm. film, and that's Woody Allen's character, <laughs> who you can you still like him, uh-huh. even though he is not doing or saying anything for you to like him. Right. You know, and I thought that that would be interesting. Now with Annie Hall, it was very difficult. Um, with Diane Keaton back in the day, she became this fashion icon and still kind of, I mean, she wore her own clothes for this. So I thought that fact was interesting. Like all that was her wardrobe. Um, and that was her style. And that just was definitely fashion forward for women. And they said the trivia is like, Oh, she briefly became a fashion icon. I'm like, no, that, that still happens today. I mean, even when to wear her Magoo glasses. She definitely didn't have bras in her fashion line. No, Diane Keaton was was not. um, But but it was hard because you want someone who's strong but also a little uh, broken, a little broken, (laughs) a little nipple, a little bit nipple. You want someone that she's slightly nipply. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a tidbit. I did. Um, Yeah, but but it was really hard because you kind of had to have that balance of someone that has potential to be something great but yet isn't, at least currently. And can just play that range, but also be not super gorgeous, like trap dead gorgeous, but but can you know like the personality can be more beautiful than the person. Um, the, All the things your mom tells you, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did pick someone who is I do find super very visually beautiful, but yet can kind of play that character. I have Rose Byrne. Oh yeah, where I think from. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? From Get Him to the Greek, from Damages, yeah. from yeah. Neighbors, oh, yeah, the Wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, because she can, she can dress down. Like, she's gorgeous, but she can dress down, but she can play both the broken. If you've seen Damages, she can play the broken, but yet actually very intelligent when she applies yeah, be herself. stern when she needs to. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, so, but that was really hard. That one was super, super hard. I almost did Kerry Washington. That was my, my, my second yeah. go-to. But yeah. So and lastly, uh, does it, Amy? Does it still hold up as one of the best films ever? And if it was was released today as is, mm. would it be as embraced? As is, if it was released today, uh-huh. no. Okay. Not a chance. So does it still hold up as one of the best? I think ever? it still holds up, but I wouldn't say you know, I wouldn't say like best movie ever. I thought it was really entertaining. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was you know. You know, probably groundbreaking in in many many ways, and you know, really it w- set all these you know careers in motion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I wouldn't say you wouldn't put it in your top one hundred as I, I would put it maybe in the top one hundred, but in the you know the nineties, yeah, the lower scale, <laughs> yeah. in the ninety fives. Scott, I'm pretty much on the same page. I mean, you know, when it came out, I'm sure it was one of the but best But see, films. that's the beautiful thing about this podcast is right. we're like, fuck you, AFI. Just yeah, kidding. I right. love you. Well, um, no, we I, don't have to play the political game. Yeah. I wouldn't put it in the top 100. I say it's a good, great movie, but, um, you know, you look back. I mean, you're everybody looks back at their old projects and kind of realizes they're not as good now as they were. That's just the name of the game when, you you know, time goes by. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it holds up as one of the best. I do think it's a good movie. Yeah. I will disagree with you. So, Ooh. Gary? I mean, I... What the twist? <laughs> the twist? <laughs> um, I think it... Uh, does it hold up the way that it was cinematically done today? No, obviously reshoot, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think from a story standpoint, this movie is more for pessimistic people. It's really <laughs> what this movie is for, Right. Right. 
And I think from a relationship standpoint, the conversations that were happening, it transcends generation, I feel. Mm. Mainly because whether you were born in the 60s, whether you are born in the 70s, 80s, 2000s, even if you're a millennial at this point, like you're going through relationships. Some of these conversations that are happening right now are still coming up. Yeah, Because sure. it's quintessentially human. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very so real. So for me, I feel like contextually it will still hold up from from generation to generation. Is it top 100? I think so only because it did something so different compared to everything else on the list right now. You know? Okay. Fair from enough. structure, from right. style to st- to tone all that stuff it is it's in its own little bracket I and agree. i think it oh it, it it deserves to be there because of those reasons because every movie now after that borrows yeah <laughs> or steals yeah. if you will yeah you know yeah for me uh if it was released today i don't think it would be as embraced but i mean part of that is kind of not so much a slight on this being one of Woody Allen's earlier works where he was just testing the grounds more as our today's audience just wouldn't have the patience for 14 second shots. I could that's that was going to be my only yeah, qualm just, is just it ha- it would have to be done faster. I mean, and I think I mean you see films now where like Birdman where the long shots people see that as like this oddity, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like mm. But it doesn't, ha- I mean, it's just so unique because everything's such flash cuts. Right. And even people would complain about The Revenant saying some of those shots are just so long. And it's like, because it needs to be. Yeah. Let, be filmmaking, let filmmaking be what it needs to be for that picture. Right. And I just, I don't think it would be as embraced if it was released today. I mean, once again, I keep saying this, but luckily a lot of his movies follow his Woody. It's a Woody Allen film through mm. and through. So he's found ways to change with the times and still keep vintage Woody in his films, even if some of them, like Blue Jasmine, was just like a sprinkle. Like yeah. she, she brought whatever. She, yeah. yeah, exactly. So some are to varying degrees. Um, I don't know. I think for what it was, I think it was a very important film, and it was the birth of many genres. Um, I don't know if I would have it. I would probably have it in the best 200, but I wouldn't have it like in the best 100. Okay. Um, just because, it just for today's time, I feel other movies, yeah, he kind of started this trend, but other movies have done it way more successfully. And some of his other movies have done it way but more successfully. But doesn't he deserve to be on the top 100 for being the like the catalyst for all that? He does, but maybe I'd, I think I would put Midnight in Paris above this one. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I would keep one of Creatively. his films. Yeah, yeah, I would keep one of his films in Top 100. I just wouldn't put this one um, just because he is a fantastic filmmaker. Um, but I just, I mean, for me, this was like his testing ground. This is where he's like, I feel like this is the film where he could watch back and be like, okay, this is what I wanted to do. How do I do that better? Yeah. How do I accomplish what I want to do? I just feel like, I mean, the conversation that happened, you know, in 77 with everybody kind of living the status quo and he's somebody, we watched this movie about a dude that's saying, fuck you to the but status quo. But in the quo. 70s wasn't just status quo. I think when you look back in older films in the 50s and 60s, that's more of the status quo. But in the 70s, the a lot of the social commentary was coming out in different films and i mean this is a different take this is sure. a different uh different revolution from the status quo that the other ones were more like political or whatever this mm-hmm. is different but it you know it's they were trying to break those expectations back in the later 70s mm. but i mean i agree that you know this 
this film was did usher in a new generation of yeah. of everything. Well, that's why I feel it has to be in the top 100. You awesome. Know? Sucker. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> All right, well we, we did it, you guys. Yeah. Air fives, very nice. Sweet. Yep. Uh let's let's go around and do some plugs. Anything that we want to want to promote. Uh, I have a web series called Time Out coming out uh, March during March Madness. And for those who haven't heard one of our podcasts before, what is it about? Oh, it's about a bunch of uh, weekend warriors who bitch at each other during a timeout. None of it's about basketball. basketball, None of it's about basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pretty funny. Some really good dudes on the show. Um, You can check it out at timeoutseries.com if you guys want to check it out. Word to your mother. Thanks, Mom. Cool. Scott. Scott Crawley here. Um, so I um got a lot of things going on right now actually, but the one that I'd probably want to plug is uh my boutique film school in Glendale, Sharp Focus Media Academy. Uh we just had another program start, twelve week program. Uh it's very immersive, hands on. We work with a real client and uh kind of gives them the students hands on experience and something that can actually go on a resume. Whereas most film schools you come out with a short film that nobody's really ever attitude. going to watch. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Like I'm sorry, just um, let's let's be real here. Employers are not going to watch your twenty minute melodramatic short film from <laughs> film Where school. Someone dies at the end. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you're able to work on an actual promo for a client or a music video for a real band or whatever it may be those things can go on a resume. So um, that's what we're doing right now. We got a that's lot cool, of stuff, stuff in What's the pipeline. Called? Sharp Focus Media Academy. Nice. It's a mouthful. Um, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of jokes said. in there. All stuff. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we got going on. Check us out at sharpfocusmediaacademy.com. Um, we're on all the social media. And the stuff link like will that. be in the description. How do you, you fit that on a business you. card? Uh, I'll show you. <laughs> I, I actually have been trying to get sfma.com, but some... So it, it, it like relinks over Font to size like some like two therapy <laughs> uh-huh. like website, and they're not even using the URL. Ugh, it's like so that used to be their name, and then they changed it. Squatters. So, yeah, I know. Pieces Rat bastard. of shit. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Amy, anything you want to plug? Um, I am Amy Cordova. You can find me on Twitter at the Amy J J A Y, or on Instagram Amy J P R. And I actually have a few things coming up um, with 20th Century Fox. And also, be sure to check your calendars, kids. X-Men Apocalypse is coming out in May. Oh, I can't wait. I'll Gosh, I just recently binge-watched the 1990s um, X-Men cartoons. It was so much fun. The first half Thank of that you. series is amazing. Oh, yeah. And then the oh, second yeah. half like falls off yeah. the rails. Wow. Where some, one episode... Uh, Scott's all sad that Jean Grey's gone, <laughs> and then the next episode she's just there like it's nothing, and it's like, "Hey, Jean, blah blah blah." And then yeah. the next episode, such Whoa, a Jean, such a teenage angst moment. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like, Scott like, Summers is such a wuss. Yeah, Pussy. he is. It's all Until about, recently, it's all in about the writing, you guys. Brian Michael Bendis, um, the Marvel writer, he uh, hated Cyclops. That was a character he hated yeah. the most, and he mm, got assigned by Marvel. He got assigned <gasps> X Men. <laughs> So oh. it's like, how do I write this character where Good. I don't hate the, the him? The guy that hates so, him the most, make him somebody that you fucking like. And that's what he did. Step and up, he, you pussy. And he totally changed him into a character that's like, 
pretty badass. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he hated the character, wow. and they got assigned it. So that's you know, cool. Gambit got xed. I think they're doing a Deadpool two, but I don't know. You didn't hear that from me. I have no idea. Yeah. That's so crazy. I wasn't sorry, here. But Channing Tatum should not here. be here. Gambit. Let's be no. real. I don't care how no, much no, you no, like no. the guy. Yeah. He's not right for no. that part. I don't like we've him heard him try and do accident. We've heard. We've all heard him try an accident in the Eagle. It's like, dude, no, stop, please, for the love of God. He did an accent in that movie. He tried. Like half of the movie, he has an accent. I don't know what kind of accent. He also tried to do an accent in The Hateful Eight. (sighs) He's in that? Yeah. I have not seen that one yet. Spoilers? Sorry. No. No, no, spoiler. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I know they're kind of still. It's supposed to come out next year, the Gambit one. Yeah. It's been moved. I'm going to boycott it. Trust me, it's been moved. I don't. I have no You heard it here first on boycotting. I have no desire. But if, well, if you're the, aren't you the Superman fan? Uh, Spider Man. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you can have more than one. I thought you had a Superman tattoo. Maybe that was. No, I have, I have a Spider Man tattoo. Okay. So are you guys excited for Batman versus Superman coming out here in a couple weeks, actually? I'm a Marvel girl. I gotta say that because my studio. <laughs> I, I my want studio, it. I'm all about. I'm all about the mutants. Yeah, you know, not the but not the Avengers. I want it to succeed so bad, just because I grew up reading and watching Batman. Yeah. And Michael Keaton's my Batman. And yeah. Just I loved Batman, and I hated the Nolan trilogy um, so much. And I didn't like Man of Steel. It, that one, that one, it was kind of like when your parents say, "Like I'm not mad at you, I'm disappointed." <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I but felt you know watching it. Remember this, Noah? Um, Costner. Oh, Costner! I damn it, Costner! Cannot stand that cardboard cutout. Um, we don't like Costner. No, no but I, I can w- tell. I want it. I you want it like to him. succeed because I want DC to have their. Like cinematic universe, I want it only to. when it's done right. Though they need yeah. to. they're not doing They're're it right. That right. So. Well, I think we talked about this on the other podcast. We talked about the business, yeah, bullshit. I think so, yeah. so, you know, they've already structured this phase one, but test audiences so far have not liked it at all. Yeah, um, except for they've liked Ben Affleck's Batman, and so no. that's what they're saying. They might scrap uh, Justice League Part One. And instead, do put the Batman movie Batman. In, in 2017 or 18. Interesting, um, but. It has to make, in order for people at Warner Brothers to not lose their job and have massive layoffs, this has to make $1 billion in the box office. Or else a shit ton of people are going to lose their jobs. Bye-bye, guys. And it's 151 minutes long. So that eliminates three showings per screening per day. Because, I mean, make it two hours. Yeah. You know, because it's just... So they've everything stacked up. Where it's like, why would you put that much pressure on yourself? Yeah. They have from Thursday night when that movie drops, or sometimes Wednesday, to Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. to get their numbers in. Yeah. There's just no way. Well, that's not the one billion mark, though. You're no, talking, no, 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 I'm talking no. But for worldwide, opening weekend, yeah. that sets the precedence for the rest of it, right. people watching the movie. Yeah, they're they're wanting they're like Avengers happen. level numbers, but it's just it's not tracking. It's like one thirty or one hundred and fifty million, which should okay. which they should be doing a whole bunch of high fives. But because they've put that much pressure on themselves, it's like, did you learn nothing from the Green Lantern fiasco? Where you're shoveling two hundred million dollars in a franchise and keep putting more money in CG, mm. and, and it, it doesn't work. No, so I mean, I want it to succeed, but it's I will just... tell you though, I am at half chubs <laughs> to see this movie. <laughs> I'm interested. I it's will a really see it good in the place theater. to be, by you the way, because Henry like, Cavill. yeah, 
Like I'd be okay going streaking, like if I had a half, a half, you know, yeah, because it I looks feel. like it's just normal <laughs> flaccid, but mm-hmm. you got a little bit of blood. It's enough there. to keep a movie R not go to NC seventeen if yeah. it has a little bit I of mean, blood I in it. I figure for myself, <laughs> oh my I'm got half chubs enough for this movie that I'll go see it. Yeah, and if it's floppy. Than it is, you know, and if, if it's really shrinkage, good, and you know, you know I'll right. see it no matter what. I'm gonna yeah, be there. I'm gonna but see it. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, but I'm paying matinee prices for it because I'd re- that helps my expectations a little bit. Like, so you guys slower. are going in floppy, and I'm going in Sahara because I'm not seeing it. At no, all. no, dry is Sahara. <laughs> right. You are just not super well, dehydrated. What I'm excited about though <laughs> is I don't watch <laughs> trailers anymore. <laughs> I don't try to. I don't watch trailers That's anymore. Smart. I'm That's just smart. going in. I don't know what the plot line is. I don't know any of that stuff. So I'm just kind of going in. So sorry to tell you this, but Superman's in it. Sorry, man. <laughs> I know you didn't you. see trailers. I'm so sorry. He wears but, too many clothing. Yeah. Saying nothing. Cool. She apparently has a thing for that dude. All right. <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I will mention Bad is we're guy. super excited that we now have our. Our own space. Ta-da. We now will be recording this at the Live Action Comics Studio, yeah. where Yay. our producing partner, uh, Thanks, Todd Chris. Christian. Yay, Todd. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. You're the You're best. You're the best, Todd. Yeah, Todd. A couple years of eating right, working out, you might be able to look like me someday, buddy. Mm, yeah, there you go. He's uh, he's pretty stacked, so. We, we all can. <laughs> You've never it seen really him. really is, you guys. I'm looking. She's a looking. looking. And she's a liking. <laughs> Mama's a liking. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Super excited. His um, links will be in the. Every, all the links will be Perfect. will be in the any any that you guys want. Just send them on over, right. and they'll be awesome. in the description. So er, okay. everybody wins. Everybody, everybody, everybody on the podcast. Thanks for listening, gang. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week for Die Hard.